You're now listening to The Kitchen Couch. The smooth tones from Nathan Nice, aka the light skinned Bourdain. Let's fucking go. I ain't nothing nice. I ain't nothing nice. I keep my desert ego on me. Ain't nothing nice. It ain't nothing nice. It ain't nothing nice. It ain't nothing nice. Butterfly knife. I'm nothing nice. I cut a guy twice. I'm in the kitchen. Palms itching. While my niggas cook by the quarter chickens. Chickens. Shout out to Shannon and the Clams, uh, Shannon Shaw. Um, this interview was such a big deal. It's such a huge thing. If you guys ain't check out Shannon and the Clams, it's a fucking awesome band. Can't wait till they come back to Seattle. Definitely going to see them live. Um, uh, if you don't know, now you know. You are now with the Kitchen Couch Podcast with me, Nathan Nice, a.k.a. The Light Skin Bourdain, a.k.a. The Diabolical Diabetic. A.K.A. Punk Rock Daddy. You feel me? And this is a fucking, once again, this is an amazing interview. I'm blessed to have uh, been able to interview Shannon. So without further ado, here you go. Hello. Oh my goodness. Hello. <laughs> I'm, over he- <laughs> I'm over here fanboying out a little bit. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> So, uh, who am I speaking with right now? You're speaking with uh, Dr. Shannon Shaw. Oh, official PhD, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I've just been working, 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 trying to do the podcast. Uh, welcome to the Kitchen Couch Podcast, basically the, the most unprofessional podcast out there. <laughs> That's how I like it. Perfect. Where where are you? So I'm in Seattle. Oh, cool. Born and raised here. Um, total like grungy. Um, a lot of music comes through here, so it's cool on that. And maybe not a lot of hip hop, but like indie rock, all that it comes through here. So it's pretty cool on that end. I love Seattle. Very good summer swimming too. Oh, definitely done a, a lot of night swimming. In the summer, like hot shows, go out to Lake Washington afterwards and swim out to the dock and jump off. Oh my God! What uh, Lake Washington? So what, like Seward Park or like Magnuson? Where, do you know where the? I actually don't know what it's called. It's definitely a park. You kind of swim out to a floating dock. 
Oh. And climb up. And then they have a high dive and like a low board. Or you could be like me and just jump off the side wild style. <laughs> right, yeah. Which um, is really actually not very wild at all. It might be Magnuson I'm thinking of. There might be a Mag... Because like Lake Washington is super big, so there's hella parks along all along it. On both sides here, on the on the uh, uh, west side and on the east side too. So there's a lot of, but I'm trying to think. I'm trying. I'm thinking this is gonna be Magnuson. It's gotta be Magnuson. Mm. Magnuson is one of the best places yeah. to perform. So um, I'm from Seattle. Where are you from? I'm from Oakland, California. Well, I've lived in Oakland for 17 years, I think. Wait, that seems like, yeah. What what year is it? <laughs> I've lived uh, in Oakland since 2003. 2003, okay. Are you originally from there, the Bay Area? I'm originally from the Bay Area, from the North Bay, I'm from Napa County. Oh, like, wow. Out in, the, out in the boonies. Oh, wow. Okay. So what was it like growing up, like, in, you know, I guess just the North Bay and the Bay Area in general? Well, very living growing up in Napa is way different than growing up than living in Oakland. It's actually I'm out at my mom's house right now. I'm surrounded by dogs and a bunch of ivy and trees and um I'm sitting on this big corner out in the the corner of her property, like out in the sticks and there's a lot of cars driving by today, which is a little bit weird. But growing up here was kind of um lonely and boring i guess but i pre you know how you appreciate things the further away you get from them now yeah. i really like it here because now it's like peaceful and smells good and you can have dogs and other critters and stuff like that but in you know in oakland it's like i wake up to the bart train screaming every oh, morning yeah. and construction every morning and sirens and helicopters and stuff like that it's a different way to wake up wake up here and nap it's like birds singing and oh dogs just barfed right next to me which is weird because i just did an interview last week and a during the interview with the san francisco chronicle a donkey shit all over me what but now i just had a i just had a dog barf next to me you were just happy so to be just, next you yeah. were just next to a donkey yeah, my friend lives in Petaluma, which is another part of the North Bay, and um, she and her mom run a... Sorry, is that traffic too loud? No, no, I can't hear it. Okay. Okay. Um, anyway, the she and her mom run an animal or a wildlife sanctuary, like a rescue, mm. so they take in all these anim various animals that people... A bit, you know leave behind or can't take care of or animals that are found so she's got a wild burrow from Nevada and she's got a little donkey named Leroy who's was rescued from a really shitty petting zoo and he just loves to be held so she introduced me to Leroy and I'm holding his head in my arms and I'm like I have an interview uh in a little bit she's like oh just do it you know you can hang out with Leroy on this on the hillside and do the interview. So I'm doing the interview and I don't tell the interviewer where I am because it doesn't seem important, right. which is crazy. That's, I, I mean, that's a great detail right. now in hindsight, but I'm sitting on the hillside and Leroy, the donkey's got his like head in my arms. And then 
he's trying to sit in my lap, which is very weird. I'm like, no, don't sit on my lap. I don't have a lot of donkey experience, you know. <laughs> and then he's nuzzling me, but puts a butt cheek up on my shoulder. It's kind of hard to explain that without a visual, but he's wrapped all the way around me. And I'm trying to push his butt off my shoulder, and he just starts, like, taking the biggest, terrifying, most terrifying dump all over me. Oh and uh, I start screaming. And then my the guy I'm interviewing with thinks I'm being, like, robbed or beat up or attacked or something. And I'm like, no, it, no, it's a, just a donkey shit all over my back. And he's like, what? <laughs> so it was kind of, um, that was funny. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I... A donkey, a whole ass donkey, just. <laughs> yep. I I don't know he what I would cute. do. You would have liked him. Oh my god! I mean, his name is Leroy. Of course, I'd love him. Leroy. <clears throat> yeah. Did you get a chance to get? Oh, so he's pretty small though for a donkey, then, huh? He was pretty small. He's like petting zoo size. Oof. I mean, he's like, I'm really tall, so it's I guess it's hard to gauge. He's like up to. He's like halfway. Up your, you know, he's like up to my hip or something. I don't <laughs> know how tall that is. Three feet. It's about three feet tall. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah, it's just a little mini donkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't grow up around any farms. I'm definitely a whole ass city boy for sure. I live like a little bit more in the country now, just a little bit, but still pretty city. It's not, I mean, maybe about 30 minutes in any direction other than south would be probably more country than where i'm at now so um i don't know have you ever heard of everett yeah of course yeah everett's a cool spot i spent a lot of time in seattle i love it oh yeah it's 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 cool i think it kind of has lost its hippie true vibe but there is still like a good underground scene um here and there's still a lot of cool people like i was just at pride um was it yesterday Uh, and it was i've never seen it this lit it was lit lit and i'm like (laughs) damn and you know and it's like and this is after you know now that they have the trans flag and all these different flags and stuff and so it's like like before you just see the prayer the the pride flag and then maybe you'd see some other stuff but you're like okay i don't really know whatever now it's like we everybody from everywhere, man. They're coming from the corners of the earth, and they were all at the smallest little Seattle Center. It was packed. I was tripping. So there is still that underground <laughs> vibe. Um, so so okay. Uh, you said you moved to like Oakland when you were like thirteen ish. No no no. I moved there in two thousand and three to go to art college. Hmm. What? So so did you go to college for music? No, I went and I studied illustration. I'm a watercolor painter. Oh. I, yeah, okay, okay. I think I know that. Yeah. Okay. I do know that. I, I didn't know it was watercolor specifically, but I did. I have seen some of your paintings. Oh, cool. Yeah, I moved uh, from Napa. Um, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I actually I graduated high school, and then I went to the junior college in Napa for a while because I couldn't afford real college. Right. Or, I mean, it's a real college. That's fucked up of me to say. It's totally <laughs> real college. And then I got a scholarship and, and some grants and was able to go to art school in Oakland. And mm. then I've been there ever since. And that's where I met Cody, my bandmate, um, and Shannon the Clams. And, uh, 
things kind of began from there. So like musically. So like what? So 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 it was the college that drew that drove you to Oakland. Nothing other other than that, because I know there's a big, huge music music scene in Oakland. Rap, obviously, but like rock yeah. and roll as well, and like you know yeah, all all the subcultures. Good, very weird punk scene in Oakland. And there used to be a big garage rock scene. Um, uh, yeah, definitely big hip hop scene, big art scene, big uh, food scene. Oakland is awesome. I love it. I haven't. Aside from all the noises, I've only unfortunately been to Oakland maybe twice and haven't had the oh. opportunity. I've been to San Fran um, one time. And I haven't had the opportunity to, like, really stop and enjoy it. But now that I know some people down there, now I can actually go there and be like, okay. Like, I know some rappers and stuff, so I can totally go there and have have a good time. But, like, most of the time I'd be yeah. driving through and it's so far west that it's kind of like, okay, if I'm headed to L.A. or headed to Las Vegas, which I've drove to, um, it's kind of like, okay, to go all the way west and to come, have to come all the way back east... You know, it's kind of like a little bit out of the way. So I was just like, oh, I don't have like an extra six hours plus, you know. So usually I'm just driving yeah. through and I'm like, let me get something to eat. Let me get a picture, do something. And while I'm here. Yeah. So um, what? So like if I'm in Oakland, like what? what's some spots I should hit up or like, you know, what? what like, where should I go? Like what? what would you be doing? What would I be doing in Oakland? If you're not performing or just when you're just kicking it. Well, we have this awesome lake just like in the middle of the city called Lake uh, Merritt that has slowly, I mean, now it's, now it's a little bit annoying because it's just like covered in people. It's, I mean, the, the Bay, Oakland and San Francisco are definitely going the way of Seattle where yeah. it's like, you know, tech mania has mm -hmm. taken over and it's like you know displacing lots of people but also you know it's filling up so crazily and you can really see that at the lake it's like every inch in, is covered in a person but at the same time it is still beautiful and you can walk around it and you see lots of different slices of life like enjoying the weather and like each other so I kind of do like that you see every kind of person that lives in Oakland all hanging out at the lake. That's something I really like. Hmm. And then I would go to maybe to Oscar's Tacos. That's my friend who opened this awesome little teeny taqueria. He's been doing like a little, it's not even a food truck. It was used to be like a little, just a portable griddle he'd bring and like a table and he'd make tortillas from scratch and then make tacos with just like whatever, old produce they have like at the grocery store you know not old but right like, about, about to get to expire marked but down season you know mm -hmm. so he just and he's really super creative and he just uses what they've got so he started he's been making tacos like that for years and then people started hiring him to do events and then he got so sought after he finally got to open in a little tiny space in oakland and now there's like always a line down the street and it's you never know what he's gonna have on the menu it's always sounds insane but it's like totally clever really clever really beautiful lots of like good healthy stuff too but i'd probably eat dinner there and if i didn't eat dinner there 
I go to downtown Oakland, which is used to be like an empty, it used to be like a ghost town. After people would get off work, it was just like empty downtown. And now it's like, like ripping, bumping at all times. Mm. But there's a really cool um, tiki bar that a classmate of mine actually opened called the Contiki. And it's like a Polynesian menu, like the actual food. And oh, the, right. the food is insane. It's like very, I mean, stuff I would never think of, but it's real. you should go there. Beautiful seating, like really cool, like all handmade wood stuff and lots of hand carved stuff. It's really beautiful. Are these like, I ho- like that. Are, are these like holes in the walls? Yes. Absolutely. If you walked by Tacos Oscar, you wouldn't even know what you were looking at. You'd just see a line of people. The sign is like six inches by six inches or something. It's like really small. Damn. He doesn't need a sign, which is so cool. Right. And then, yeah, that's a hole in a wall. I'd maybe go get a drink afterwards at Eli's Mile High Club, which is a bar that's been around forever. Muddy Waters used to play there back in the day. Um, like lots of like old blues. Oh, they weren't old back in the day, but you know, right? <laughs> it used to be like a big blues club, and they have a really amazing um, blues night on Mondays. And then the rest of the week, it's kind of like like a punk. It's a punk bar, but they have a really awesome backyard, a uh, huge backyard with tons of seating and. Um, I love a place with a backyard. I need, sometimes I need some friggin' fresh air. Right. I need to get out of the bar because I don't really like, I basically work in a bar. As a musician, I basically work in a bar. I'm in a bar all the time. I get sick of it. Right. So if I get dragged to a bar by my friends, it's got to have really great atmosphere and have somewhere I can escape to. Yeah, you need to go outside. I'm trying to think of uh, the place here. So one of my favorite food spots, I haven't eaten there in a while, but I know it's still the shit. It's called the the Innkeeper. And um, it's like right on the edge, like before Seattle Center, but it's at the edge. So it's like still got that like old school Seattle vibe. Like not everything's been bought up yet. And so... um, Uh It's a really, like, nice, but it's actually pretty relatively inexpensive. The best burger in Seattle, like, fight me. For real, it's so good. Um, they have a little backyard area, and it's always busy, but it's so cute because it's, like, essentially it's kind of in the alley. So if you were to walk into the alley, you'd be like, wow, this is, like, a legit sketch alley. But then if you go in through the innkeeper and look <laughs> at the backyard, you're like, I feel like I'm in nature or something. It's like the wood in with the lights and stuff. It's pretty. It's pretty that cool. Sounds, and that sounds right up my alley. Uh, have you ever had Ethiopian food? Oh yeah, I, my neighborhood has a is like really Korean and really Ethiopian. Oh, and so yeah, I'm surrounded by Ethiopian food. Oh, I love. It's like my favorite food next to Korean food. I'd say it's between Ethiopian. Oh, you love Korean. my neighborhood. Oh, that's amazing. That fusion would just be fire as fuck. Um, there's Whoa, a yeah. There's an Ethiopian spot that's like um, Northgate, which <laughs> has a shitty mall. Northgate Mall is shitty as hell. But um, sometimes the malls, the weird outdoor malls, have like the best food. Like 
I'll tell you mine after you tell me yours. All right. Uh, well, it's kind of like maybe four or five blocks away from the mall. Um, but it's uh, this Ethiopian spot called Jabena. And for a while, they didn't have any outdoor seating or anything. And now they just built this little outdoor. It's like in the same kind of thing. It's like this wasn't like a full alley. It was like half an alley and then stopped. So there was like trash cans and stuff. But they built something. And it's like, once again, it's got the wood and stuff. So you can't see like much. But you could get that outdoor air. And it feels like you're like, oh, wow, I'm eating somewhere different. Like, it's so cool. <laughs> Um, and I guess the last one, um, I don't think they have outdoor seating, but it's just so good how they switch it up. It's in the middle of the hood, like right in, um, Chinatown and it's it's like kind of industrial and very just like, um, what is it called? I ate there the other day too. Oh man. Now I'm spacing on the name. It's literally right on the corner of 12th and Jackson, but like right into the corner, it's a Vietnamese restaurant and like. You go outside and you're like, you're just seeing all this trash and shit and blah, blah, blah. You go in, you're like, oh, wow, I am like not in the hood. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'll, I'll remember the name in a little bit, but I'm totally blanking on the name right now. Have you ever been to that place? I don't know where it is. It's in Seattle somewhere called Seven Stars Pepper or... Seven, seven stars. Well, there's a. Let me look it up. There's no, a. Oh, I can't. I don't know how to do this. Hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, I, are I, you able to hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh yeah. Okay. You like it? It's, do you like Szechuan food? I mean, I like all types of food. I've been trying to eat more vegan lately, but I mean, shoot, I like oh, all types. That's at this place. Yeah, whatever. I mean, my listeners probably love it anyway, so. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll even find out where it is for you. Um, Seven Stars Pepper, Szechuan Restaurant. It's at South Jackson Street, Little Saigon. Okay. You just talking about that? It's, it's the, the, the restaurant I'm talking about is literally in, in Little Saigon, too. It's literally what? It's in Little Saigon, too. Yeah. So you could go have lunch, go um, pass out um, somewhere around there, and then go have dinner there. Yes. And then you could do, um, you could rate each restaurant and then tally the score, find out which one's better. I would, I'd probably go with what you're saying because I mean, it's Szechuan food is a little bit more straightforward than Vietnamese food. I feel like Vietnamese food can be like. It's one of my favorites, but it's, like, hiddenly good. Like, it's, like, like if you know the spots, you know what's good. But then also, like, you got to also know what to order for you, too. It's, like, sometimes you order something, like, a skewer, and you're, like, wow, this is weird. Or, wow, this skewer is really good. Or bon me or something. <laughs> I don't know. It is, yeah, it's good. I like to experiment, but whenever I go to Vietnamese by myself and I'm trying to experiment... A lot of the places I go in Oakland, my favorite place is this one called Camp Long. That's in um, the International District. They tell me, no, you don't want that. I'm like, I do want it. I want to try. No, you don't want that. You want this. I'm like, no, please. I swear I want it. 
Like, I've been straight up, like, that, like, will not sell to me no matter how much I protest. They won't let me have it. One that, I mean, I don't even know what it was, but it was, like, looked like some rice, and it was wrapped in, like, a weird leaf, and it was filled with weird stuff. Like, I want to try that. Right. No, they won't let me. They're like, no, no. I mean, I've tried to get this weird leaf thing a few times, and they won't let me. They just think you're not going to like it? I don't know. Maybe they're saving it for a friend. Maybe they can just tell, like, by the cut of my jib that, you know, maybe I'm just, like, too white. And they think that it it would disgust my um, my American palate or something. Right, I don't know. Right. Maybe they're right. I don't, <laughs> but, come on. If someone wants it, like, let them come on. They do have this weird muffin that I'm really torn about this is the cam huang place in oakland uh-huh. um it's a muffin and it's made of like dehydrated peas and it has a shrimp like a dehydrated shrimp in the bottom of the muffin so you like put it in the bottom of the muffin pan and then you pour in this batter with a bunch of dry peas and i feel like you know they bake it and then it's like maybe fried afterwards now it doesn't taste good. It's so chalky, but I love it. And it doesn't taste good. What's up with that? If you're a chef, please riddle me this. Why do I like something that doesn't taste good? So what's the texture like? Chalky, um, chalky, spongy, kind of crispy. So maybe it's all about the texture. But yeah. does anyone like chalky? I don't think I like chalky, uh, but I, I swear every time I go there, if they have one of those very weird dry pea muffins, I buy one. I think, I don't know about the chalky, like, I know that, like, a lot of people now are starting to flavor things with charcoal, and, I mean, that's a chalky flavor. Charcoal? Yeah, like, I've had charcoal ice, ice cream. Oh. Yeah, and Did it's... Do you like it? It's okay. It's kind of, it depends on like, so like, if it's going to be like a soft serve and the soft serve is super sweet, the charcoal kind of goes good with it. And I guess it's good for your stomach too. So, I mean, I mean, these peas, that's a lot of protein with the shrimp. That seems like a lot of protein. So you're just like, boom, eat it and you're good to go. Like, (laughs) you probably only need like two of them and you'll be like, so proteined up. But I'm like dehydrated peas, though. Like, what the hell? What? What? I don't know. <laughs> I want to talk to the chef. I demand answers. I want to know what their vision was for this strange muffin. So, but is it a fusion? Maybe they just like no. Is it what? Is it a fusion place? Like, maybe it's fusion, and so like. No, this is hole in the wall. Been there for fifty years. Recipes don't change kind of a place so it must be like an ancient recipe like an old (laughs) old school recipe you know like maybe maybe i might be the only person buying them i don't know oh my goodness keep that muffin on the on the counter by buying it every now and then Uh, it's like one of those things where everybody kind of passes it up and you're just like "Ooh, yes Ooh, my gross muffin. Yeah, maybe. That kind of reminds me of this candy I really like, but, like, I, well, um, my candy. Runts. Is it Runts? No, it's not Runts. I want to guess. Is it Sweethearts? No. Is it, um, Pez? Oh, gross. Oh, Pez. no. Well, Pez could be good, but no. 
Yeah, it Pez is too high maintenance to eat. Like, you have to put it in the thing and then, like, do it like that. You can't just eat a, a brick of Pez. It's kind of like... But then you earned it. But then you earned your Pez bite. Right. <laughs> By doing all that. No, I like, um... I love all sorts licorice. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, the... It's, like, uh, Swedish. I, I don't know right? if... It's, it's called licorice all sorts. Yeah. It's, like... There's a variety, it's like a variety, right? Yeah. Like a really salty licorice. It's not, I, well, I guess I've never had it super salty. I've only had it in the bag, so it's already, like, I haven't had it, like, fresh, like, British or something, that which it could be salty, but it's got, like, coconutty flavors and licorice flavors. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's like a grandpa's sack of candy. Yes. I love that. You love it. I like circus peanuts, which nobody really likes. Well, they have a fun texture and interesting smell and good color. Oh, I love the texture. I think I only like, I like them in my mind. I think if I actually ate one, I'd be like, I don't need to do that ever again. (laughs) It kind of has this flavor like bubble gum. It kind of tastes like edible bubble gum. It's weird. (laughs) Does not taste like a peanut. And the candy that I really like that not a lot of people like are the Mexican ones, the chili, mango, lime type thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love those. Yeah, what those do, are good. What do you like I to mean, eat for candy-wise? That's some advanced advanced uh, flavor profile. It's <laughs> really. Chili and lime and salt and fruit. Yeah, it's so good. I'm sorry, what were you asking me? Oh, what's, your, what's some of your favorite candy to eat, like, if you do eat candy? Um, I don't have the biggest sweet tooth, but I do. Okay, I'll, how about I list my controversial candies? Okay. Um, the ones I like that everyone else hates. I like candy corn. Oh, I love candy corn. Mmm. I love that it's like, seems like you shouldn't eat it. You know, it's like 80% wax or something. <laughs> if I, if I could talk to the chef and I could be like, dear chef, lend me your ear. I would love to make a little change. It would be less sweet. Maybe a little less sweet, a little more salty. And if I... Hey, hold on, Ruby. Ruby, come here. Leave her alone. Sorry, my dog is growling at a jogger. An innocent jogger. <laughs> um, anyway, I love a candy corn. I would love it less sweet, a little more salty. I love a buttered popcorn uh, jelly belly. Ooh. Know what I'm talking about? That, those divide the people. Ooh. There's a teeny percentage of us freaks who love them, and then everyone else hates them and thinks we're crazy. Hmm. Where do you lie on the buttered popcorn jelly bean? I'd say I do like it. I I like that artificial butter. It's just like, what the hell is this? Me too. (laughs) I love it. It's so good. Um, I, if I were, if someone handed me their kid's, uh, Halloween candy sack, and I got to rifle through it and take what I want. I would take a mini York shirt, York peppermint patty. Oh, those are good. I would take a mini Reese's cup. Mm. And I would take a Milky Way square. Mm, okay. Okay. So you know it's funny? The Milky and Way. Can, the Milky Way is probably the most like, controversial. <laughs> the, you think a Milky Way is controversial? A little bit. It could be. I like it. I like, you know, Snickers is great too. Yeah. You were saying or a Mars bar. You were saying in Japan what now? Oh, in Japan, um, 
I got to try, they have a wasabi Kit Kat and a green tea Kit Kat. They have a ton of different Kit Kat flavors. Like Kit Kat's more popular there, there than it is here. And mm. man, those are crazy delicious. Mm. I think I've tried maybe the wasabi one or maybe it was the matcha one. Maybe it was matcha. They're Kit-Kat. both great. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure it might have been the matcha one. There's a huge Wajamaya here, and so you can kind of get some foreign domestic candies. Oh, yeah, I've been there. It's pretty cool. Um, So, like, speaking on food and stuff, like, what is your favorite, like, food towns? Like, some of your favorite towns to, like, perform in and, like, some of your favorite venues? And then, like, you know, where are you eating afterwards? Um, I really like, um, let's see, that's such a good question. Every town's so different. Um, I think Seattle is, like, one of the best food cities. Mm. Um, There's a... I love Japanese food. I think that that's, like... I don't normally like to eat before I play, and then I don't like to eat late, so that's kind of annoying. Mm. But if I could eat some Japanese food before or after I eat, that's, like, probably pretty good on the system. Um, like if I were to play in LA, I'd probably get tacos from a taco truck and then afterwards get like Silver Lake ramen. I don't know if you've ever been there. No. I know that there's a lot more ramen places in Japantown, but no one's taken me and shown me the great place yet. I always like a recommendation, you know? Right. Right. But I actually like the, they have like the best spicy tuna on crispy rice at Silver Lake Ramen, so I like getting that. Oh, crispy rice. Um, or I would go get, like, a poke bowl. Um, let's see, what's another food? Food Oasis, right? Be like, towns. You know, Reno's actually, Reno's got some great taquerias. I love a taqueria. Oh, Reno, um, huh? I like, I drove, I've driven through, that's another place I've driven through, I didn't stop, but I was like, Reno looks so sketchy. Oh my god! It didn't stop. No, it looks so sketchy. Okay, it is. It's so sketchy. <laughs> yeah, but it's so awesome. It has so much personality. Reno hmm. is just—it's so Reno. It's not trying to be anything else. It's not trying to trick you. It's not trying to convince anyone. It's something it's not. It's just fucking Reno at all times. Right. And um, it's I. I totally love it. Um, they have a great taqueria, and they've got a good sushi train. Uh, they all, like if you stay in one of the casinos, they have some pretty funny buffets. I actually don't. I don't I actually don't love a buffet. Believe it or not. Yeah, me neither. Uh, <laughs> me neither. Now that I'm getting older and I've like prepared buffets and like I've eaten at tons of old country and some nice ones too. It just seems like such a cop-out. Like, I'd rather just get my one dish, and then if I'm hungry, get something else. Instead of, like, yeah, you know, but a bunch of, like, mediocre food, prepared-wise. Like, maybe one or two things you do like, and everything else is, like, you kind of take a bite here, bite there, and you're like, oh, I guess. Like. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm trying to think more specifically of, like, a city that I love to play and food that I like to eat. I don't know. It's hard because I really don't eat close to showtime. I need, 
I heard that DLR, David Lee Ross, needs four hours before he performs. So do I. I need four or five hours. Before you eat, before, before you do play. everything, get into your zone and shit? Yeah, I need four or five hours with, like, only water and maybe a drink or something. Well, yeah, because you, hit, you hit crazy notes and shit. You'd be, like, really singing up there, so. Yeah, I'm working hard up there. I can't just, uh, I can't go up there with a bunch of food sloshing around in my belly. Yeah. I like to, I actually like to be hungry when I go on stage. It, like, is a real different experience than being being full. Huh. Um, but my... Cody, like my partner in Shannon Clams, oh my gosh, he will literally be swallowing his bite, his last bite as he's walking onto the stage. And we're just opposite because for him, that gives him energy. Right. Like the, <laughs> the food gives him energy instantly. It just doesn't work like that for me. Makes me want to relax and like chat. You know, if I'm eating, I love like going somewhere really good and like going with people who love food and want to talk about it right right and he's not like that he's like i'm eating food for energy which is you know that's fair <laughs> that is fair so like what about like venues like what are some of your favorite venues to perform at like um ruby and ruby i know alone. you said when sorry i'm yelling at my dog again. oh um, my dog was going after the jogger again she came back around don't pup <laughs> <laughs> Um, so like, um, like I know that, you know, do you like doing big rooms? I'm thinking like if, I mean, like in Seattle, where have you performed? I'm thinking like maybe like Showbox Market would be kind of cool. I played at the Showbox, um, opening for Dan Auerbach last fall or last spring. mm. And that was actually a really cool venue. I'd never played there before. I used to play Chop Suey all the time back in the day. Yeah. And um, I've played the Crocodile. I've played the Grotto way back in the day. I played the Comet way, way, way back in the day. But normally we play like Numos or um, my friend Jody just opened the Clock Out. Have you been there? No, I haven't been there. You have to go there. That has like the best pizza. The best pizza. Actually, that's the last place where I ate too close to showtime and I still had a good performance but it was like the i mean it's even like one piece of the pizza is like so crazy heavy yeah you could eat one piece and be sustained until the next day but it's really amazing but that venue is like really beautiful and fun i honestly generally like a smaller room yeah you know i like um it to be i like for people to come up be close to the stage and be able to like see them Versus some bigger, like, nowadays clams play much bigger shows, and there's going to be, like, a barrier with a bunch of space between the stage and then the barrier and then the people, and, you know, I like, it, it's just, like, I think that that kind of interrupts the flow. Right. And I know it's for safety for everyone, but it's, like, it kind of puts too much space between you and the people and I think performing is like a shared experience I mean for you as a chef it's probably kind of similar you know I bet you wish you could watch everyone as they're eating your food well yeah I mean it's I mean I kind of I've been out of the industry like I cook at home now a lot more uh the industry itself is trash 
But, like, culinary art is awesome. But, like, it's, like, it's so weird because there's such a disconnect because I'm not serving you my food and I can't tell you exactly what I designed behind it. Oh, this is why I made it like this. Or you kind of just have to, like, hand it to, like, a host or not a host, a waitress and or a waiter and just, like, be, like, basically, I hope they like it. And then, you know, like, or, like, a lot of times in the industry, you'll just get a bunch of, like, subs, like, oh, can I sub broccoli for this or sub this for this? And you just end up, like, with almost a completely different dish. This happens all the time everywhere. Um, and Oh, then they're messing with your art. Exactly. And I think a lot of times, like, in the industry, like, if you own your own restaurant, then you can come up with stuff. Like, I've been able to come up with certain dishes. I don't own a restaurant or whatever. But, like, a lot of times you're just pretty much recreating what somebody else tells you. So there's, like, oh, this is a corn slaw. Here you go. Like, pump it out like this. Like, boom, boom. And so you just kind of learn the technique on how to do it that way. And then you kind of keep keep it coming. So it's kind of, there's a, there's a oh. disconnect. But um, you said you performed at the Comet. I'm like, I would have loved to see you at the Comet. That would have been lit. That was our first show of our first tour ever. Really? Oh. Taco Cat. Taco Cat Gang Gang. Yep. Hell yeah. Yep. That's And that was like, at this point, I think that was like 11 years ago. Maybe oh 10 God. years ago. I mean, the comment's still there, but it's kind of a little bit... I don't see punk or rock shows like I do, like like you used to see people like you could hear you used to be able to hear people just yelling from outside in there and now it's kind of like they bought the place next door and so it's kind of bigger it's like a pool hall type of thing now it's a little different. Oh wow! I mean they still have the stage but it just I don't I don't know anybody who's really performed there in a long time or haven't heard anything. Um, so, like, speaking on, like, Taco Cat and everything, like, like, um, I know that you're not signed to Hardly Art, but that's kind of how I got into you. Um, oh, cool. I kind of was... I still love Hardly Art. We'll have a, you know, I'll have, we have, still have a relationship and everything like that. I, are they out of Seattle? I don't think they are. Yeah, they are. They, um, are, like, a subsidiary, I think, of Sub Pop. Oh, right, right. So they are in the Sub Pop offices downtown. Right. Yeah, and then, so, like, what, how did you, like, what's that, what's working with them, like, as far as, you know, just, like, the type of music they put out? And, like, it's crazy because normally, you know, I'm, like, I'm, like, like, I do like rock and roll, but generally I just listen to, like, more rap or more, like, you know, electronic music. But then I came across that record label, and I'm, like, wow, I love all these artists that they're putting out. Like, pretty much everybody that they put out, I'm, like, wow. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> funny. That's cool. Like, that's the label that you like from yeah. the whole scene. That's awesome. Um, working with them is awesome. I like it because it's, like... Basically, I was always dealing with just two people. Two people I know whose personal numbers I have who I can call up and chat with or ask questions to anytime. Like, I love it feeling small. You know, our first label, 1234 Go Records, he's one block away from my house. I can walk to the record store and ask questions or talk to him. You know, I really like having an intimate relationship with anyone that I work with. Yeah. You are now tuned into uh, to uh, the K 
Kitchen Couch Podcast with me, your boy, Nathan Nice, aka Lightskin Bourdain. Don't you fucking touch that dial. Right. I think that's really important. And yeah, Hardly Art's a great label. They like take a lot of chances on. That's another thing I like. I like working with people who take chances on the little guy. Right. And that's the only reason I'm anywhere is because I've been lucky and I work hard. I work really, really hard, but I'm also lucky that people have taken chances on me. You know, I'm not like the most marketable human, you know? Right. Right. Um, I don't make the most, um, you know, every person USA music, but I've <laughs> right. been fortunate to have, uh, people take chances on me. So one, two, three, four, go took a chance on me. Hardly art totally took a chance on me. Even easy. I, the current label we're on, they took a big chance on us, you know? So we're, uh, we slash me have been really fortunate in that regard. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm like I'm trying to think of some of the artists like La Luz, obviously Gang Gang, like like I fuck I with love them. La Luz. Yeah, like I was like, and Did like you say after La Luz. Oh, I just just La Luz. I'm trying to think of um, uh, Sea Pony. Have you heard of? Oh her? yeah, Sea Pony. Yeah, and I'm like like oh yeah, and I'm a I'm a black dude, so like it's funny when you hear me like bumping some of these tracks, but I'd be like shit, it is what it is. I like <laughs> good music from the gut, like. If you're putting it out and it's yeah. from the gut, like, you know it's, like, some gonna be some good shit. Like, it's just gotta have the energy. And then, like, I remember I came across, like, I think it was the Rat House album. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And I put, like, everybody on, too. I'm like, every, I'm like, have you heard of Shannon and Glimps? No. Have you heard of this? No. Hey, bump this. Bump this. Bump this. And they're like, what? You bumping <laughs> this? You. And they're like, you bumping this? Like, what the hell? Like, I'm like, yeah, I go where the good music's at. Like, <laughs> it don't matter. Like, I'll be at the rave. I'll be at the punk show. If it's dank, I'm there. You know what I'm saying? So, like, um, so, like, I want to know, like, how did you get the sound? Like, because you've got this, like, old school-esque voice, but with a little bit of newer. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just so deep and, like, you don't hear people singing. I think the closest person I can say sings even remotely like you, kind of Beth Ditto, but, like, she's a little bit more, like, uh, she's a little bit more like poppy, a little bit more poppy. Yeah. Um, but like, like, but then with the surfy type of sound and then like the lyrics are pretty like interesting too. So like what kind of like, what's your process and like, how do you, how'd you put this like total sound together and be able to be like, this is Shannon the Clams or this is Shannon Shaw. Like, I mean, it's been a really slow process, like becoming um, becoming, I guess. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of it is kind of like an amalgamation of all of the sounds that I love. Like, it's kind of like a tapestry of every kind of music I like. Um, usually, the way I write songs is if I'm driving, I'll have... Now I'm addicted to, like, podcasts, and so I'm constantly, like, 
listening to talking now. Right. Sometimes I just need a break from music. I don't know if you ever feel that way. Yes. But as like a touring <laughs> artist, I need breaks. And then when I come back to music, I feel so much like closer and I feel so inspired. But if I'm just listening to music all the time, I kind of like get um, worn out and then like nothing is inspiring. So I take breaks and, and sometimes it'll be silence. And I, um, I come up and visit my family a lot and so it's usually on that drive between Oakland and Napa County where I'll have silence and just as I'm driving it's like I'm realizing it's it's the sounds of traffic it's the sounds of my wheels it's the sounds of the engine just that like consistent rhythm Mm. and melodies kind of start floating into my mind and I always have something on my mind it's very rare that my mind is totally empty so usually whatever I'm going through um, kind of winds together with whatever melody is kind of floating in and then um, I'll like come up with a part and I'll grab my phone which is totally dangerous and I'll um, get the voice recorder and I'll just like record lots of weird little nuggets Mm. and then later I'll sit down and listen to them and listen to the scraps I mean, I, I call them scraps, but then a lot of the time I'm like, I don't know. I cannot tell what I was trying to do here. You know, it's a lot of like, I'll be driving and you'll hear really loud background car sounds. And then I'll be like, and it's really hard to tell what I was, what I was hearing in my mind versus what I actually recorded. Right. Um, but then sometimes I'll find some really good stuff in all my scraps and I'll kind of take that and I'll explore it and pull out my base and see if I can like find um, what like, you know, melody or I'll try and write a baseline to go with the melody to try and, you know, make it more substantial or right. like give it more of like a skeleton. And then I'll record a version of that and then I'll listen to that and I'll start taking notes i have lots and lots of little notebooks of all my notes on my scraps and then i have a notebook that are the more formed version of those demos and then after i come up with like more parts and i'll record a better version of that and then i'll send it to our guitar player cody and and oftentimes i can't play anything but bass i don't know how to play guitar i learned how to play Zombie by the Cranberries in 1996, and I've never learned another guitar song, which is pathetic, but it works for me, I guess. For right. Now. <laughs> right. So then I'll send him notes on like where I was hearing guitar, what kind of guitar, um, what sound, you know, if I was like loving the fuzzy tone on a Dick Dale song or whatever, I'll send him that. So then he's got he'll understand my like inspiration and then he's just so good at kind of understanding me. I really don't have the language, um, tech, like technical music language because right. I'm just self-taught and I still don't know what I'm doing at all, oh, I love uh, that. but it's working, you know? Right. But he understands me. He's like my translator. So I'll send him all my crazy ideas, all my versions of the demo and then notes and he'll be able to like pick through those and mess around. And then if we're in person, he lives in Portland. Okay. Um, Shout out to Portland. So if we get to see each other in person, we'll go through it. 
actually Portland is a great place to play music and eat food. Yes, hell yes. Uh, hopefully you get to go there every now and then. Oh, I do. I do. Um, Portland is actually one of my... F- I even argue that food-wise it's better than Seattle. I just got to give it to I Portland. Kind of ag- I agree. I didn't want to say it. I don't want to hurt Seattle's feelings. No. But we, Portland, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's amazing. Um, and that's so cool because I feel like that's such a real process for music. Like, a lot of times, like, with artists now, I mean, at least in the rap, rap industry, it seems like kind of like... You know, they'll hear a beat, they'll write, like, boom, 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 and then they'll drop it, like, two takes, they'll drop it, and then that's it. Like, even if they don't care about extra really? noises, they don't care, because they'll, well, they'll edit a lot of stuff out, and then they'll put some type of, like, even if it's a minimal, like, auto-tune, they'll put, like, a, you know, and that just, like, kind of, like, clears, I don't know, I don't, I'm not, like, good with the technical musical language, I'm just a huge fan I do do a little bit of music. I'm kind of consider myself an artist as well, and but I'm a podcaster just just until I can get like my sea legs in the music. But um, I I really that's because uh, I was gonna say how does Cody like you know how does he come up with that all that stuff you know and you're sending it's kind of like postal service or something until you guys meet up. And it's kind of cool that way. Like you know I'll send you the beat or I'll send you the hook or I'll send you the the bridge or the motions or what I was thinking this day. And then, you know, he comes up with the guitar verse and then, you know, that's pretty cool. That's such a process. That's such a process. Yeah. And everything is different too. Cause sometimes we'll be jamming and we'll just write a song right there on the spot together. You know, you never know how it's going to go. Usually my songs that are really, uh, super deeply personal, I have to write those alone, like, and I have it all formed and then send the fully formed thing and then have him add guitar. Like, I, I can't really share the songwriting on those. It's just really hard. But on, like, our punk songs, that's, like, usually two or three of us jamming and those, like, come up a lot quicker. Mm. Um, or sometimes I'll have everything but a bridge and I'll be like, I don't know how to create a bridge for this. And a bridge, I mean, I think you could songwrite any way that you want, and you don't have to have any prior knowledge to music if you can come up with melodies in your head. But, like, a bridge, it really helps to um, know, like, music, like, technical stuff. Right. To know where, okay, well, if I'm playing here, it makes sense to move here, 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 or here for a bridge. You know, like, if I knew how to do that on guitar, you know, I just could experiment faster. So sometimes it's fun to be like, I need a bridge, I want it to feel like this, but I have no idea where to go. Like, even on the bass, I can't figure out where to go next to have it make sense. And it doesn't have to make sense, but sometimes it's fun to do it that way. Mm. So sometimes I'll write everything, but Cody will be like, oh, well, I would go here for a bridge. And then that, seeing what he does is, like, totally inspiring because it's not somewhere I would go. And it's fun to play around, um, you know, like, in a totally different, almost like a different world. Like, oh, I've never been here before. What is it like to write a song in this key or whatever? Right, right. And so vocal, so nobody taught you vocals or anything. Like, who inspired you to do music? Um, 
inspired me to do music. Or, like, artist, or, like, you know, family, grandma, like... Well, all the men in my family are really musical, and um, I was raised Mormon. Wow. And so it's totally, like, I know, right? All the dudes are musical. Like, my little brother is a really good bass player. My grandpa was a really good upright bass player. My other brothers both play guitar, and they're really, really good. My uh, uh, uncle, one of my uncles is a great guitar player. The other one is a really great guitar player, and he played in Captain Beefheart and used to open up for Frank Zappa and stuff like that. Wow. Um, so I have all these, like, men in my family, but all the women, I, th- I personally think it's because we are Mormon. That like, oh, the women just sing. And there's nothing wrong with just singing. But it just made me think like, oh, I don't sing. Oh, that's like women. Women don't really play. So it's like I wasn't around women who played anything at all. And uh, so I'm really glad that, I mean, it took me forever to even try to play. My um, boyfriend from high school... Um, gave me a, the Dan Electro bass that I play to this day. He gave it to me when I was 15. And I remember when he gave it to me, I was like, in my head was like, what are you doing? Why, why did he waste his money on this thing? I don't, what am I supposed to do with this? I guess it'll look good on my wall. And when my male friends come over, they can play it. But why did he give me a, you know, a guitar? Right, And I'm so glad he did because, like, for him, he didn't have that preconceived notion. You know, he didn't have that, like, misogynist point of view. He was like, of course she can play if she wants to. She likes music. She can learn. Right. You know, it, it was me who had the point of view that was like, oh, no, you know, girls don't do that. Or, like, um, I also always thought that you had to be this, like, special, very different person with this natural music talent. And, like, I truly don't believe that I had that. I think that I just loved music and it felt good and I worked really hard. I mean, I was a horrible bass player for years, but I just made myself do it anyway. So Mm. I didn't even start playing that bass that my high school boyfriend gave me. I didn't even start playing it till I was 24 and living in Oakland. I, you know, moved there for college and, uh was really poor and really fucking lonely. I moved there and I didn't know anyone. And it's like going from like way out in the boonies to like the city. Right. Middle and it was really city. hard to start from scratch and make friends. And I'd moved, I'd moved to Oakland with this boyfriend who turned out to be a total piece of shit and, uh, kicked him out. And then I was like truly alone and could not even afford sometimes to like you know get to school and would be walking like several miles with all my stuff to get there just stuff like that and it just I was in a very dark place and um couldn't even afford to keep my phone on so I would like just make myself crazy in my house like doing schoolwork but then also I think was just looking for some other kind of cathartic creative outlet and was like there's that bass thing I guess I could plank around on that 
So I pulled out the bass and I wrote a song like instantly. I pulled it out. I messed around a little bit and I found like four notes and created a song out of those four notes. I mean, to quickly go back ever since I was a little kid, I've sung to myself and made up songs. That's like how I've always gotten through things. Like when my brothers were mean to me or when I'd be in timeout or whatever, I would make up songs about the situation I was in and use that to kind of like soothe myself. Hmm. Um, So I think I kind of fell back into that self-soothing of music, but I never, when I wrote that song on the bass, I never, ever, ever thought that I would be playing music regularly ever in my life. I thought it was just like a one-time thing. And then I started like becoming kind of obsessed with playing it. It just felt rewarding and was like a nice escape from my really low, dark spot. Mm. And, uh, my, I'm very close with my brothers and they, were encouraging me to play an open mic. So I played an open mic night with the bass and singing. And then I played another, and then I played another. And then Cody from the Clams now invited me to play a house party. And I was too scared to do it solo. So I put together a band to, like, back me. And uh, that's, like, the birthing of Shannon and the Clams. Wow. And then... Yeah, Cody joined shortly after that. Um, oh, that's pretty. That's a intru- That's a really cool story. I mean, like, you know, like especially the bass guitar, like, like, because the bass guitar is such an interesting one. Because obviously, the guitar, the guitarist, like the rhythm guitar and the regular guitar, they get like all of the guitar credit, right? And then the singer is the front man, and then the drummer you know, kind of holds everything together. I mean, that's how I kind of see it. But it's like, then you're kind of, you sing and play the bass, which is just like, what the hell? Like, I never, I don't know how many different, like, singer bass players there are. Like, I'm sure there's some, but, like, off the top of my head, I can't name one that, like, sings and plays the bass. Like, at the same time, that's just crazy. It's a lot about rhythm and stuff, too, so maybe it's a little... Because, like, I remember I tried to play guitar. I played guitar for, like, five years, and I'm like, okay, but I I never was that good. And um, singing and playing, forget about it. Like, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. like, one chord, hello. <laughs> play at the same time, I just can't. Well, you can do anything, though. Like, if you can play that one chord really well and you can pair it with another chord... You just play them back and forth and start trying to sing over it. I mean, at least that's what I did. And I was trying to not be afraid of being shitty. Right, right. I think that helped, too, because generally I don't want to put anything out in the world unless it's as good as as possible. Like with my paintings, I would never put up a half-assed art show that's like with art I don't believe in. Right, Um, right. But with... But with singing, I was like, well, I just have to throw it out there and see what happens. Because for me, it was like kind of a cathartic healing kind of process. Um, And then I eventually got better and, you know, learned more and more. And I think it's just good to put yourself out there. And if you love something and it makes you feel good, 
it doesn't matter, you know? Right. It doesn't matter if it's, like, up to other people's standard. Right. Maybe you should play guitar again. I mean, I I might be. I might, I mean, I just love musical instruments. Like, I wish I kind of wanted to play the piano. Like, that's something I'd be down oh, to learn. Because I love, like. I as- wish I wanted to. <laughs> Especially, like, when you hear, like, uh, I don't know if you're a fan of, like, house music, but, like, I kind of like more, like, not, like, fist-pumpy house music, but more, like, chill, relax. And, like, the piano always brings everything together on a good house track. Like, it's just, like, that piano, and you're like, ooh, like, ooh, it's funky now. Like, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> the piano sample is usually always the dopest, and, like, which is interesting because I feel like the guitar and rap music is always, like, really good, too. Like, if you hear a beat and it's got a kind of a guitar tone... It's like, wow, where'd they pick up the sample? It's amazing. Um, yeah. So I was going to ask you, I got three more questions for you. Um, so being in the Bay, um, do you have any favorite rappers? Hmm, let me think. I don't really know much about rappers in the Bay. Or just in Although general. I know a bunch. Well, um, I'm friends with this guy named Kami in Chicago. Mm. Have you heard of K-A-M-I? No, I haven't he's heard of him. He's so good. And he's really, like, just clever and creative, and he has such good presence, and he is so brilliant. He's, like, so smart. Um, mm. But he's awesome, and I guess, yeah, you should totally check him out. I think that you'd probably like it. Um, oh. And I really like this guy, 12 Len, in... Um, in Miami. Uh, mm. He's so awesome. Um, also really smart. He kind of, he goes between like rapping and singing, which I really like. I feel like that's pretty clever. Like he's singing his own hooks and then going back into rapping oh, over that's it, cool. which I think is pretty rad. Yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, like, are there any artists you'd want to work with? Or, like, always dreamed about, like, maybe doing a song with or whatever? Hip-hop artists? Or, or any any artist. I, w- <laughs> I would love to write a duet with Danzig. Oh, my God. It's one of my goals. That- it's one of my goals. It would be a great... I know that it would be really fucking good yeah (laughs) i don't know if he would you know i don't know if i'll ever have the opportunity but now i do know two people that are friends with him so maybe the gap is closing oh my god that would be so lit it'd be good right yeah that would be be lit i mean does he still does he still tour and perform because i know i know danzig was one of those bands where the dudes the dudes got real fucked up a lot and so, like, you know what I mean? They were, like, getting fucking keyed all the time and stuff. It was, like, one of those hardcore-ass <laughs> bands. Was like, is he is he still touring, or is he just kind of kicking in and relaxing yeah. now? He's good. I think he's kind of a health nut. But he... Um, oh, wow. That's I awesome. just went and saw him play um, in Reno, actually. I went all the way to Reno to go see him play, and it was fucking awesome. And I saw him... I saw the Misfits reunite in Chicago. Like, I went by myself, flew out, because I couldn't get anyone else to want to go. 
and I flew out to Chicago to Riot Fest to see their reunion. I felt like such a granny because I like went, I went out in the crowd and I waited like two hours for them to come on stage and I made sure I was like a safe distance away so that I wouldn't get squished too much. Right. And oh my God, it turned into a raging pit. Like, and I was probably in whole, like two football fields away from the stage. And I like got like pulled back through the crowd. My shoes came off and I'm like gripping the heels with my toes so I don't lose them and just was like, I can't do this. And I got scared and ran away and watched them from very far away. <laughs> and then they're playing Oakland soon and I want to go, but it's like $200 for tickets. Yeah. To see the Misfits, but I don't know. I might do it anyway if I, if I have the funds by then. The Misfits um, are fucking lit. Yeah. I love them. I mean, he's like, that's like mixing punk and oldies. I mean, that's something I love and I do in my band and you know we do it differently but I, that's what I hate I hate his lyrics so much but it, it's like the the vibe and the feel like I have a feeling that whatever he was actually writing about doesn't match the lyrics you know I think he had real feelings going on and he was like sticking with this no I'm like scary Dracula that Fox dead stuff like I think that's like what he wants people to think he's singing about but I think he's singing about something more sensitive yeah I could see that I could definitely see that especially because it was like yeah. it had the punk but then he would actually sing sing like it wasn't just like Aah! it was just like ah, like kind of singy a little bit that's something that I think is still lacking is um in, in, like, my musical world is, like, real singing. I feel like that hasn't been a trend in a long time. There's, like, a lot of talk singing or just a lot of, like... Whisper singing. You know, monotone. But, for, but like, actual singing, you know? Like, yeah. I would love to see more of that. Sanging? You mean, like, singing? Sanging. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. singing now, but there's not a lot of singing, and that's what that's one of the reasons what yeah, draw me. That's one of the reasons that drove me <laughs> to your band because you actually sang, sang like I could tell. Like after you got done performing, you're like I can't even talk to nobody for like an hour. I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I put it all out there. I'm just I need to chill because like that's why I'm like damn. Like when you perform a show, like it, like how do you like vocal train and stuff? How do you like just keep it all you know keep it all together because you really um, sing that's, <laughs> that's definitely a delicate dance and i've been working harder on it because i lose my voice easily i mean not only do i sing hard i sing really hard and really weird uh, but i'm i am pretty social like before i play i like to go out and like help sell merch i like to meet fans and be accessible it's getting harder and harder but i try to make that like a part of you know i don't know right part of the uh, show and then afterwards i like to go see people like go see my friends who came to the show and then there's a lot of talking afterwards and then if you're drinking alcohol it's like drying out your vocal cords and if you're talking over music it is this like really particular strain that just kills your voice and then, you know, tour is like, you, you're up all night. You don't usually get to leave until after 2 a.m. 
right. pack the van, and then get to the wherever you're staying. And then you have to be on the road at like 9 a.m. Every day is like that, so you're not getting enough sleep. So now I'm trying so hard to like drink less, not go socialize very much before the show, trying to get as much sleep as I can, drinking way more water than I used to, drinking a lot less alcohol than I used to. I'm just trying to be uh, more careful because losing my voice sucks. It's so depressing when I feel it coming I get depressed Mm. and then I feel awful when I can't give someone the show that they want you know or that I want to give like if I'm not giving someone my all or my best then I feel like I'm wasting their time and money I want everyone to have like the ultimate Shan the Clams experience right and I feel really awful when I can't deliver that because I was not being responsible right and it's like and i and that's why like one of the and uh, forget it if you smoke cigarettes like adele used to it's like shit like i smoke weed and stuff like i cannot i cannot like sing i mean if i everybody says i have a terrible voice but i like to you know i like to i'll be singing your songs and i'll be trying to bellow and stuff and i'm like ah (laughs) (laughs) well I, i forgot to mention that now i warm up my voice Mm. And I'll usually do it like two times. Like I have these really, it's an app that uh, my friends showed me called Vocal Ease. It was like a dollar ninety nine, and oh my gosh, I'm so glad I found it. I think there's lots of different ways to warm up your voice, but I'll do it like twice in a day before I play, and it has made me be able to sing way higher and way lower. It's just like stretching before you work out. Mm. You know, you're just going to be able to get so much more out of your body. Right. You know, it's the same thing. I'm stretching before I perform. Mm. It's really helpful. So what was the app called? Vocal Ease. Vocal Ease. And there's a really, the guy seems so sweet. He seems like such a sweet, kind nerd. (laughs) But he's very like, uh, there's a part where he goes, uh, he kind of gives a little description about of, of what you're about to do. Right. And then there's one where he goes, my favorite. Like, he has a favorite vocal exercise. And I have all his, like, little talking he does between the exercises. I have it all memorized because I listen to it twice a day. Hey, how's it going? I listen to it twice a day. Um, every day I'm playing shows two or three times, actually. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. So my last question I want to ask you, um, very controversial. Uh, what's it like being like a woman in the industry, like, you know, having to deal with record labels and stuff? And I know your bandmates are, are guys or more masculine presenting, as they would say nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you're so Seattle. It's yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's I. I was raised with a lot of brothers and, like, out in the country. Right. And uh, was not really treated very differently than my brothers. And I don't... I can't say that there's, like, tons of times where I think, oh, I'm a girl, you know, like, other than, like, the music thing. You know, that was definitely, like, a gender divide for me. Oh, I see. But otherwise, like, I don't think about being a woman and the differences very often um except in 
like the first several years I was playing music, it would be like I'd get a harsh reminder that I was woman, a woman, that I was different, you know, in in the these really shitty ways, like, whoa, like cool, you're a chick bass player, or like guys trying to tell me. I remember this one guy. I won't even say who it is because. I mean, actually, some of my worst times were with, like, well-known musicians who are my heroes, which is really, really fucking disappointing. Yeah. But this one time, um, this guy, I'm, I mean, I'm also super, I'm, like, six, almost six, I'm about six foot tall and plus-sized. Um, so it's, like, any comments about my looks on top of, like, being a female inferior infuriate me. But, like, he was, like, his first comment was, oh, I had no idea you were so big. And it's, like, what the fuck does that have to do with my music? Right. Does it change the music for you now? Does Is the music worse? Is the music better? You know, like, why did you feel the need to say that to me? And then the next thing he says is he watches my show, comes up to me after the show, and I was like, okay, first of all, you need to stop pay- playing bass. I've had so many dudes tell me to do that. I've never had a woman tell me to stop playing bass. Right. Um, but I've had so many dudes be like, oh, you should stop playing bass. You should have, you know, some other guy play bass. And you should just worry about singing, which pisses me off. And that just makes me want to play more. Yeah. That just makes me want to become a better bass player. I mean, that's kind of like, actually, I used to skateboard, which I was not ever good. I could never do any tricks. But one time, me and some friends in middle school were playing with our friend's skateboard. And it was my turn to play around on it. And the guy was like, oh, no, 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 you're too fat. And I got so fucking mad that I took the skateboard and was like, this is mine now. And I taught myself how to skateboard. So I would roll to work, which I live in the country. It's hilly. There's no streetlights. And I worked in a movie theater. So I would skateboard and fall over and get hurt every day just to get to work. And then I would skateboard home at like midnight in the dark and fall over and get hurt just because someone's implying that I can't do something or I shouldn't be someone who could do something. And it just makes me so incensed that I have to prove I'm wrong. Right. So then I... You know, that was my mode of transportation for a while. That's fucking amazing. So anyway, like, it's, it's those moments where I'm like, oh, people think I'm different than them because, like, of, you know, my genitalia or my body shape or whatever. Right. And that, you know, that makes me crazy. But then again, it's like, you know, if, I mean, I do, I don't know what I'm going to say. I have so many feelings on that topic. The, it's uh, like, part of me is like, if you're like what I was saying about you don't need to be the best musician in the world. If you love what you're doing and it makes you feel good, you should do it. You know, right. if you want to do it, you can and you should. Right. Right. Um, and there, I love that I started playing even though I wasn't good. And I love that people continue to do that, especially women or queer people or people of color. Like, you know, they need more opportunities to see people like them playing or doing art or cooking or whatever it is. Like they need more examples to know that they can be included. Um, 
Oh, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm ranting because I'm all pumped up. No, no, I'm glad. I, I mean, I'm glad it was a good question, and 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 it made you. Because sometimes, like I've, um, you know, I had this girl on. She was a um a plus size dancer, and she's really dope and stuff. And I asked her the same question and did not have the f same effect. It was like, oh, what do you think? Of, you know, being a woman, she's just like, oh, I don't know, it's kind of whatever. I'm like. Okay, I was expecting her to be like, nah, it's fucked up, but like, yeah, or something, you know what I mean? I was expecting her to say something. Well, maybe there's a few, there's a few things, like maybe there's more female dancers. You yeah, know? probably. From my point of view, there's lots of, I mean, more women that dance, probably. Maybe it'd be weirder to ask a dude, like, what's it like to be a male dancer, you know? Right, right. But then also, I think women get asked that question a lot, and it's like, well, I am a woman, how am I supposed to know how it's different you know mm, right because everything is regular a lot of women don't want to be seen as different so they don't even want to talk about it like it's some different thing and i, I like, get that I'm part a musician. too i'm not a female musician i'm a musician and i totally get that point of view too because it's like people are demanding to be taken seriously and to not be scrutinized for what makes them different they just want the art to speak for itself and don't want to have a conversation about uh gender and you know division about that kind of stuff so i totally get all points of view right on that. right and also maybe maybe that woman just maybe she just doesn't care like that doesn't affect her life right that she knows of right i mean she's she's I she's doing the, the damn music, thing especially the Oh, sorry. Yeah, totally. She's doing her damn well, thing, I was so. Just saying, yeah. Go, sorry. Go I ahead. I was just saying that I think that the like punk scene and garage rock scene that I come from is way male dominated. Mm. You know, mm. way. There's so few female musicians, and like any time I get around just like a bunch of ladies in that scene, that's where the conversation ends up. So much of the time is like. Dude, did you know? Have you guys ever had this happen to you, or this happen to you, or this happen to you? And it's just this like sad, endless conversation of how many times we've been like sexually harassed, or like grabbed, or someone trying to neg you. Like, do you know what negging is? No, like, I was thinking more it's like, like where a dude. Go ahead. It's where a dude, um, like, insults you to hit on you. Oh, You know, like, yeah. kind of what that guy was doing. Like, oh, I didn't know you were so big. Like, you need to drop. You need to stop playing bass because you're an amazing singer. It's, like, these weird ways to, to knock you down and then build you up. And, like, you know, some women that, like, appeals to them to be, like, manipulated and abused by somebody. And then them showing them a little bit of affection or love like makes them feel very loved it's like a very like awful abusive tactic to yeah control and hit on somebody the, yeah and and you see know. i was raised by women so like a lot of these things it's 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 funny it's like like i never grew up doing that like ooh, you you could lose some weight or so i never grew up thinking that or saying that so it's kind of like and like I don't know, like, my mom is, like, one of the most influential people because she does a quote-unquote man job, and she's been doing it for so long, and, like, just... What does she do? She's a carpenter. What does 
that's so cool. Yeah. See, even me. See, there's two ways to look at that. Is to be like, oh my god, that's so cool. That's so inspiring. Right. And then there's this other way of being like, yep, that's her. That's a job. Yep. Exactly. You know, trying to normalize like women in that industry. You know, I mean, I am. I think that's awesome. She does it. <laughs> and like, she has stories for days about like not only just sexism, racism, grabbing this and that. Like, yeah. they've been trying to get her out for so long. She, she, she's been. They've laid off so many of her coworkers. She's still there, and she's like, "Yo, two, two, three more years, and I'm retiring, and I'm out this bitch." Aww. So I'm like, "Yeah, go ahead, Mama, go ahead." They ain't gonna let her loose now. <laughs> they gotta pay her that pension. You know what I mean? So, um, uh-huh. and I was gonna, I was gonna say like you, like you have you, nobody's ever like stiffed you for money or anything, like playing a show. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I oh, feel like yeah, they have. that would happen for oh, like. My God women over men a lot of the times or like even if you seem like even you could be a man but if you seem like you're weaker or like maybe you're trans and you don't seem like you're so like ah ah whatever then you could be like oh yeah stiffed on it be like oh no nah, you ain't shit you ain't gonna do nothing and you'd be like nah son like i need my money <laughs> you oh, know absolutely and like even just <laughs> things like the wage gap i mean i'm the only woman in my band and i got three you know dudes in my band but I, I'll tell you, I've accidentally seen um, <laughs> what uh, what bands make, uh, like on certain festivals. Like right. on festivals, we are headlining, or we are like direct support or whatever. Right. And we are drawing the people, but like dudes, you know, who are playing like hours or two hours before us making so much more money you know that's something that really makes you think too like how the fuck did that happen they have way less draw right people here to see us like god i wish i never saw that number because then it all it makes me think Hmm. just makes me think and think and think of the reasons why that would be right right i mean but i think as long as everyone's trying to learn and be open-minded and you know learning from their mistakes and um listening to each other i just i i i have hope you know and Mm -hmm. and people speaking out and people trying new shit you know i just think as long as people are like actively doing things and trying to be creative and harness you know harness rage and ride it like a wild pony instead of uh letting it eat him up i think it's Mm. gonna be okay and the the last thing i'm gonna say too is like in the black community if you're plus sized and you're singing that automatically equates you to be a better singer so like like i mean anybody (laughs) could sing right and a lot of people can sing really good but like if say like going to church or whatever like i was raised baptist and we got the singy singers which sometimes isn't my favorite but like i can enjoy it now as an adult you go to church and You'll see a skinny singer. Okay, she's singing. You know if a big girl gets on, she got pipes. She about to tear out on the place. You about to be tearing up at the end of this thing. Like She'd be like, oh, bring heaven home. And you just be like, oh, heaven is home now. <laughs> yeah, I, that's just kind of how, like, in, I guess in the black community, it seemed like, oh, if you're plus size, you probably are going to be singing, singing. Like, <laughs> well, but are they actually better? Um, I'm not going to just say yes right off the rip, but from my experience, yes. Interesting. 
disgusting. I don't want to. I don't want to put any of my you know skinny whatever people that are like good singers down because I'm sure there's a lot of them too. But oh, like yeah. for Whitney. the Whitney, exactly. S- smoked and drank. Oh, How did she sing like such a freaking angel? Like chain smoking and drinking, top, you know. Yeah, and I sorry, I just watched the Whitney documentary and it was one of the saddest things I've ever. One of the saddest stories ever. And you could tell they used her. I mean, like being a woman in the industry, they used her. They used her. <sighs> they used it's her so ass. So sad. Yeah. It's so sad. Robin, poor Robin. Ugh. Oh, her daughter. No, her um lover, her secret lover. I didn't even see the whole thing. I just kind of know her story, but, you know, I just kind of know it a little bit. Well, she was a lesbian. What? But, like, didn't didn't want to be. Yes. You have to watch it. What? I don't want to, like, take over your podcast, like, telling everything about the Whitney documentary, but. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, she was a lesbian and didn't, had a lot of conflict about it, and, of course, you know. American TV in the 80s and 90s didn't want her to be a lesbian. Yeah. Damn. And so she married Bobby Brown because it was like a safe, cool choice. and um, But always had her like partner around who was like the only voice of reason trying to keep her safe and away from the wrong people and away from drugs and alcohol. You should just watch it. I'll oh. stop talking about it. Oh, I have to now. This sounds so juicy and yet like, it's damn. It's juicy, but it's so sad. Yeah. You really see how she was just used the whole time by everyone. Rest in peace, Whitney. <laughs> but thank Poor you. Whitney. Thank you for giving me some of your time. I'm so like fanning out and I'm like glad we had to like made a conversation and like, I totally um, want, I want to buy one of your records, vinyl. And I totally want to come see you live, and when you the next time you come to Seattle. Yeah, like, you've got to. Yeah. We love Seattle. We're up there a lot. We'll probably be up there a couple times this year. Yeah, definitely hit me up for the next show because I definitely want to be there. And like, I know a bunch of people that are totally fanning out with me. So when they hear this, they're gonna be like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, Shannon, so much for being on the kitchen couch with me, Nathan Nice, a.k.a. The Black Bourdain. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, too. Thanks for talking to me. Have a great day. You, too. Bye. Hey, yo, yo, yo. (laughs) That was a fucking awesome interview with Shannon Shaw, um, also in Shannon and the Clams, one of my favorite bands out right now. If you ain't heard them, go ahead and peep that, because that shit is lit, son. Definitely love to turn that on um, and get mad lit to it. So, uh, I, be in my, I be in my feelings. You know me, Nathan Nice, a.k.a. The Light Skin Bourdain. And thank you for tuning in once again to the Kitchen Couch Podcast. If you want to donate, uh, follow, subscribe. That'd be awesome. At the kitchen couch, all one word. At Nathan Nice, N A T H I N N I C E. Uh, also, you can Vin me for all donations. Venmo me <laughs> for all donations are all accepted. Make sure you hit that hotline five zero nine five five seven zero five two one and the kitchen couch at gmail dot com. So make sure you holla at me. Thank you. <laughs>